You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Well, this is a podcast, which you could go listen to. I mean, please finish our episode first. Uh, or if you don't want to, you don't have to either. But there is a podcast, Father Jeffrey, called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And I thought it would be worth uh, taking that podcast and that concept as a uh, jumping off point to a discussion about engaging with literature, books, Um all of our listeners, you know, you, Father Jeffrey, me, all of our listeners, I'm sure we've had a book or books that have really affected our life. And I'll give a little background on this podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Uh, it's a podcast which explores the Harry Potter books um, in a sacred way. And what I mean by that is that they read it in a devotional way, in the same way that you might do a Bible study or uh, Lectio Divina, which is a type of reading of the scriptures in a prayerful way. So they'll do that, but not with the Bible. They'll do that with Harry Potter. And they'll take concepts and meditate on them in this podcast. Um, and I'm on the website here, and the, uh, the subtitle here is, Reading Fiction Doesn't Help Us Escape the World, It Helps Us Live in It. Uh, which, you know, Father Jeffrey, that sort of reminds me of kind of the thesis of this podcast, which is we, we, do in, we rehearse in liturgy what we're supposed to be doing in life, right? Liturgy is not an escape from the world, but it is a rehearsing of how to actually engage in the world, right? Reading fiction doesn't help us escape the world. It helps us live in it. And that's clearly the thesis of the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast. So maybe we'll start with uh, that idea of books that have affected us that aren't scripture and that have really changed our hearts because books do, they change our minds and our hearts. Don't they father Jeffrey? Absolutely. And that sort of subtitle you just read is absolutely key, right? That, you know, it's about facing up to the reality of, of this world. And, and that goes for not just what you might call realistic fiction, right? Stuff that, quick, you know, has the grittiness and, and, you know, just a kind of objective reflection of the world that we know, right? And, and some of us, you know, would enjoy books that are you know, very true to life that way, even turning to kind of realistic depictions of, of uh, true crime or things like that. Um, but, but even the, kind of the fantastical, right? And so, I mean, the overall thesis here of, of Harry Potter being able to do this so stories about, you know, witches and wizards and, and strange creatures and, and fantastical uh, beasts and, and, and so forth. I mean, that this is actually about real life is sometimes difficult for people to understand, but it's precisely for those reasons that the authors wrote these in the first place and also why all of the readers are reading it. It's, it's not to do with escape at all. It's to do with facing up to the reality of this life and the questions that it poses of us. And, and that's really where 
this becomes a theological exercise, regardless of the intent of the author and even the predilection of any reader. This is always and everywhere what you would call a lived or a practical theology, um, because it asks those questions that theology purports to answer, right? And that we believe as Christians, we have at least a direction in, in which to head in order to begin to answer those questions. And so as I say, it doesn't matter what kind of, uh, of books they are, whether they're, you know, true to life or, or trying to be as fantastical as possible or into the realm of science fiction and so forth. They're always and everywhere about this real life. And therefore they're a mm -hmm. lived theology. So like, I'm just going to ask this simply and you can, you can, you can parse out my question. On first blush, when you hear that somebody has a podcast in which they are reading the Harry Potter books as scripture, like they're reading them in the style of reading scripture and letting the, that text affect them the way that, say, traditional Christians might let this text of the scriptures affect them. Um, is that wrong? Like, is it wrong to do that, to take a, a text that isn't the scriptures and to treat them like scriptures? Probably not, actually. Um, and although, I mean, it's going to depend on the context, obviously. I mean, if I heard from one of my parishioners, um, you know, Father, I've decided I'm no longer going to read the Bible in my daily devotions. I'm going to read J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter series just regularly. I mean, there's, there's a level at which I would say, okay, um, you know, let's sit down and, and talk about what you're reading, right? Because I think a lot of what is found in the Bible is already there. Um, so that's that's not the worrying part, right? And I'm not going to go to all of that, you know, kind of weird stuff about, oh, well, it's got witchcraft in it, it's evil, you know, burn it, and, and so forth. It's not about that. It's, it's that, you know, there are things that are dealt with obliquely and, you know, and hinted at that are obviously dealt with in their fullness in, in the scripture. So I would hope it would not become an either or, not a replacement, you know, but to supplement, if someone's saying, you know, I would love to add to my, you know, daily devotions, a kind of uh, meditative reading of one or another of these fantasy series. And let's stick with Harry Potter as, as an example. I don't think I would be overly concerned. I would think we would need to start a conversation because I, ultimately I don't believe in a kind of individual hermeneutic, like an individual process of I'm going to come to some understanding on myself, by myself in isolation from the rest of the world. I think that person proposing to do this should have, you know, collaborators in this project. And so the, when you mention Lectio Divina, that's usually a communal thing, right? You're not normally just doing that on your own. Somebody's quietly or meditatively reading, and then people have a chance to reflect on that and then to share, you know, from their experience and so forth. So I'm not at all worried. I think there's an awful lot of deep human questions and facing up to reality, as I've just been saying, that's implied you know, in works like this. And it can, it can help to actually bring new lenses and new perspectives that once you return to something like the scriptural narratives, you're going to see things in a new and uh, you know, much more challenging perhaps and, and in a deeper way, right? That, uh, that this will actually enhance 
our narrative understanding of the scriptures. For far too long, actually, the scriptures have been seen not as story, not as narrative, but rather as some kind of source book of all of the answers, uh, you know, whether they're moral questions or systematic theology questions or whatever. And the scriptures, of course, are nothing like that. They, they're principally stories. So if you can actually learn to read stories better by reading Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia or any of these other, you know, series, then, you know, so much the better when you come back to to church to hear the scriptures proclaimed or indeed to, to reading those collectively or, or individually or, or what have you. So, no, it doesn't alarm me to, to think that people might begin to to look to a series like this as a kind of, you know, sacred narrative of, of sorts. Right. And, and to even treasure that um you know, in, in that way of kind of returning regularly, you know, entering, you know, into it. But obviously there's context here, right? I mean, if, if someone went off and then formed a religion based strictly on that fantasy narrative, we've obviously moved into a completely different ball game, right? And we need to, you know, address that. But if the proposition was, we want to kind of learn stories better, learn how human beings relate and ask questions and push forward the, the human project in creation, and we're going to use these stories to, to do that, I, I have no problem whatsoever. But as I say, connect it back to community, always be discussing, always be working together. And then finally, bring it back to church, bring it back to liturgy, bring it back to that wider scriptural story of God. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. You have such good answers to these questions, Father Jeffrey, because it's so easy to just say, okay, A, B, and C, that's of the devil, that's bad. You, we can do uh, one, two, and three. That's good. We can we can stick with that. You know, those kinds of answers are very clear and well defined. And your answer leaves room for. Let me. I, I'll read you cynically, Father Jeffrey, and then okay. you can you can respond. <laughs> your your answer is leaves perhaps it does it leave too much gray area. You know, do, should we be more clear as Orthodox just to say, okay, this is the scripture. That's it. All those other books are just, you know, second rate and, you know, don't bother, um, quote unquote, reading them spiritually, right? Sure, you can read, but like, they're just stories. Um, here is kind of the real thing. And that's kind of, they're, they're kind of quite divorced and separate. Like, from a cynical listening of your answer, maybe there's, I can imagine somebody hearing it and go, oh, there's way too much of a union between, you know, those secular writings and the sacred scriptures in Father Jeffrey's answer. So I, I don't know. I don't really have a particular question in there. I'm just trying to uh, imagine myself as a listener to your, to your question because it's so much easier just to separate things and to have clear cut answers. But your answer leaves a lot of nuance. And in that nuance and that gray area, perhaps there's some danger. Maybe. You know, but that's what, you know, to be human is to risk, <laughs> right? Uh, is to gamble, is to, to go mm -hmm. forward in, in, in hope and faith and so forth. But, you know, I'm also being very pragmatic, I suppose. I mean, I, let's take the case of, you know, 
young people, adolescents, even who um, you know might have been drawn. I mean, I suppose it's, it's waned a little bit in popularity, but I remember there was that time when you know, when for the first time ever, almost you know, children and and adolescents would be um, queuing up outside bookstores at midnight because the new book was coming out right and uh, and they were following this Harry Potter series uh, you know so avidly and so forth and they weren't doing that at churches <laughs> right so so to make it an either or thing is to propose something that's not even a question you know that yeah, the, the church the, will the, lose. That 13-year-old was not saying, let's see, I've got a choice between reading the Bible and reading Harry Potter, right? And, and they were not choosing Harry Potter over the Bible, not in that sort of clear-cut, you know, I've set before you life and death, therefore choose life kind of proposition. It wasn't that. This is just what they were doing. And am I bothered by that? Not in the least. Because actually, uh, you know, the 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 way that the, those stories unfolded as a kind of lived theology, right? Which, you know, and, and let's be honest, I mean, there, God does not appear, right? It, that's not the point. Uh, except God does appear everywhere, you know, because if we as Christians believe, and I hope we do, because we've read the Bible, that God is love, well, then God appears everywhere in the Harry Potter stories, right? Uh, and so if we've opened the way for these young people to have their lives transformed, inspired by the kind of implicit story of Christ, of sacrificial love, of, of alternative ways of being together as human beings, because there are these options presented in those narratives, right? There, you can be human this way, or you can be human this way, right? And there's this challenge to every reader to choose between kind of seeking your identity in, in the kind of world of, of materialism, of, of consumerism, of using one another, or you can choose friendship, fellowship, sacrificial love, right? And it's clear what wins out. In fact, that love that is sacrificial is so marked on people, it causes pain to the people who uh, who don't participate in or turn their backs on that. Well, I mean, this is straight out of Eastern Christian spirituality, right? I mean, this is you know, the, that love, in fact, becomes hell for those who are turned against it. I mean, this is all there. I mean, what more do you want? So again, it's not a question of, am I going to read it in Harry Potter? Am I going to read it in the Bible? People aren't necessarily choosing to read in the Bible or they look at the Bible and they don't see it there because it doesn't connect to them. Oddly, the fantastical world of Harry Potter is more true to the life that people know and can introduce these values, these ideas, these stories in a transforming way, in a more immediate and direct way than the scriptures, you know, can we have more work to do kind of as a community gathering together to understand and work with that. And for a long time, the church has got the scriptural narrative wrong and we've abused it and, and, and repackaged it and, and made it a, you know, collude with empire and, and exploitation, and everything. And the weird thing is, I think for a lot of people who go to Harry Potter, they would identify what they know of the church and the church's story, not with the true way of love, the true path of self-sacrificing friendship and fellowship and so forth, but they would associate that with Voldemort, right? And they would associate that with, with the world that Harry Potter grew up in, where he was exploited and abused and, and so forth. That's the world people know of, of Christianity. And how sobering and chastening is that? So if you want to talk about what the options people have are, in a lot of people's minds, you know, Harry Potter gives them 
a straight on gospel ultimately that is clearer and truer than the one they've received from the church. Right. So this is why I can't be anything but nuanced here. You know, ultimately, yes, I hope people find their way through these signposts as twisted and broken as sometimes they are, but they find their way through those signposts to a true and proper and full understanding of what the gospel is as it's told in the wider, you know, scriptural narratives and, and enacted in the liturgy of the church and so forth. That would be marvelous. But I'm also aware that most people today would associate the church not with that, you know, ultimate gospel narrative and the story of, of Christ, but with you know, something very, very different. And so if Harry Potter is the cure, I'm all for it, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, th- I think that's where we have to be humble. We have to be, you know, a little less arrogant in our uh, understanding that, you know, we are somehow the gatekeepers of God's grace and truth, right? That we're going to dole this out to the world and we're going to choose where we see it and where we where we give it out and actually recognize that the world has already preceded us in so many ways because we're all human. We're all therefore, you know, reflecting the ultimate creational purposes of God. And so where human beings are allowed to be human beings, they're going to act in the directionality of the gospel anyway. And so I think finding ways to affirm that, enter into it and engage with it should be our, our approach rather than saying, don't read that you must only read this, or here's our, our curated version of, of a kind of cultural um, phenomenon. We'll make a, you know, a, a strictly Christian version, you know, of all this. Because, you know, even the ones who are overtly Christian, like a C.S. Lewis or a J.R.R. Tolkien, they're not, strictly speaking, doing just a repackaging of the gospel. There is there are all kinds of layers of, of things that one could take issue with, you know, you know, where's in God Narnia, in the Lord of the Rings? In, right? in, in, in Narnia, there's, there's the, uh, in the Prince Caspian stories, like Bacchus and Silenus, who are these Roman gods come out and party Absolutely. as well, right? Yeah. Lewis is full of like, it's like, it's like, kind of syncretistic, <laughs> eclectic collection of, 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 of everything, you know, from every part of mythology and so forth. Uh, Tolkien didn't really like his approach, you know, um, you know, they no, had a, he did a dispute, you know, but, you know, in his version, you know, there isn't like an explicit religion or, you know, religious ritual as such. There isn't prayer. I mean, you can push a few things in, in maybe to understand in that direction, unless you go and read something like the Silmarillion, you don't really understand, you know, the kind of wider mythology and, and, and theology of, of the, of Middle Earth and so forth, you know, but yet it's, that's just charged with the Christian gospel, as is Lewis, as is ultimately Harry Potter, right? And although of the three, you know, you could say J.K. Rowling maybe is less intentional about that. And yet, was she? You know, she wrote a lot of that book in response to the death of her mother, right? And she's working that out. And that's a fundamental human experience, right? That she had, you know, growing up and, you know, to come to come to terms with that, to come to terms with what it was to be, to be loved by somebody who was no longer there. How do you, how do we connect with people that are from our families that we've lost? You know, how do we, how do we live up to expectations of, of love and sacrifice and so forth? But that is the gospel, right? So I, I don't. That, that's what. That's the basis or backstory to my nuance, Father Yuri. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. I. I'm glad I. I pushed you a little bit because that. I mean, that's really helpful and really essential to this entire liturgies of life series. And you know, the metaphor that I was thinking about when you were saying that is, 
when it comes to us as Orthodox Christians engaging with culture, right? It's not that we have sort of one thing here and an equal and opposite thing here, right? That two kind of powers fighting each other. It's more like those nesting dolls where there's a smaller one that's in a bigger one, that's in a bigger one, that's in a bigger one, that's in a bigger one. And what I think our job, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, Father Jeffrey, and you can let me know, is our job as Orthodox Christians is to engage with the culture. Let's say in our context, the Harry Potter stories or, or any novels. Like uh, We're using Harry Potter as an example here, but for you, the listener, what's that novel or that series that has really affected you in your life? It's not about saying, okay, this is sort of in opposition to the church. No, it's not that. It's saying, what's the proper context of this smaller story in that bigger story, which is ultimately the, the, the gospel? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not about seeing the church and the quote-unquote secular world as, as antagonistic. It's about properly nesting the smaller stories like Harry Potter into the bigger story. Um, does, does that make sense? Yeah. And it's a better analogy than the one I had proposed of the kind of signpost. Cause I mean, they, although it's still, they are signposts. I mean, th that can sometimes imply we then leave it behind or that it's somehow discarded that once you find your way, say, if you are a young person who's read Harry Potter, been really challenged and transformed, inspired by that, and you've gone looking deeper, ask questions, you know, more profoundly, and you found your way to the gospel, it doesn't mean you then discard it. Because this was implied in your original questioning. How does a Christian, you know, use something like that series or any, any work of fiction or whatever? I don't think it's the case that we then leave it behind because it has to be lived all the way down. Right. And the, so as, although it's a signpost, it's not a signpost that says, leave this place and never return right? It's maybe go on, keep looking, go deeper, go wider, you know, go write this on a much broader canvas. So that's that nesting idea that you propose, but take this with you or at least come back to it and return here with a greater understanding of what this is all about. So that having encountered the gospel, you can go back to, you know, Harry Potter series and now see it everywhere and now see it more deeply. I think that the, the Christian informed reading of that is going to be, you know, even richer than the one that comes with just a kind of open heart and, and generous, you know, interpretation in, in the first place, just to kind of see what's there. Once you see it, you know, it, it's just, it's on every page. Same thing with, with any work, you know, a fiction that's kind of in, in that grain and, and so forth. So I love this idea of the nesting dolls because it really does go all the way down. And the reason for that, right, is that when we say that as, as Christians, you know, the, 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 the age to come has broken into this world, right? That new creation is already at work. It's not that in setting up this alternative way, this new way, this ultimate way of being human beings and, and, and a society as we gather together and live God's future now, that we're, we're setting that up alongside. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, this other thing is just going to, uh, you know, be destroyed or we're going to be whisked away. It's not about that. It's not about, you know, setting up the waiting room for the train that's going to take us away from here. It's about you know, heaven coming to earth and renewing everything here. And so everything in creation gets nested in new creation. That's ultimately the image that we have. It's a transforming, wrapping around uh, an immersion into that. So baptism, remember, is 
you know, and entering into something in a, in a complete immersive, you know, sense. And so we're ultimately, I mean, actually, I think C.S. Lewis was the one uh, who used this expression, baptizing the imagination, right? And by, an imagination isn't just like one tiny part of our human faculty. Imagination is all, right? Because that's that, the way that we bring forth images, right? And the image we ultimately bring forth is the image of ourselves, the human being that is in the image and likeness of God. So baptizing the imagination is the whole picture, right? And so by nesting every story, every part of human life within this ultimate story of God, we are baptizing the imagination and all of the images that are implied on on every level here. And so uh, I really, really like that that image and I hope our listeners hold to it as well. The nesting of stories is really, really key. Mm-hmm. So let's end this episode with a more practical level there. So how how do we, how can we begin... The only way I can ask this question is, is how, how can we begin to read spiritually, right? Um, so uh, actually, what's very interesting is that the logo for the podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, it has some pages that are open, and then it has the Harry Potter glasses. And it actually implies that what we're going to be doing is actually looking, like deeply mm. looking at the text, right? It's actually quite a, it's, it's a really good logo. Um, but you know, leaving that aside, whatever book we happen to be reading, that is our fiction that we're enjoying, how can we, even in just the simple enjoyment of reading, do that in a way that maybe orients it towards that bigger story or or um, read it spiritually? That's the only phrase that's coming to mind. And I hope you know what I mean. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I think the word that really comes to mind when you talk about reading spiritually, I I think is challenge, right? We need to read to be challenged. We need to read as though we are not the finished article. We need to read as though we still have, you know, corrupted lenses over the eyes of our minds and our hearts that need to be taken away, right? That we need to always learn and develop and grow and that we I mean, this is this humility that I was talking about earlier. We need to enter into this dialogue with both gospel and culture and to understand that, you know, there's something we can learn, you know, from this. There's something I can learn in going and reading Harry Potter. There's something I can learn in listening to popular music or watching a film or indeed meeting anybody, you know, on on the street. And ultimately it's, you know, it's like what, um, it says in in the epistle to the Hebrews, right, that the the word of God is uh, powerful, uh, quick, sharper than any two edged sword, right? This idea that it kind of cuts us, it 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 enters in and it challenges us, it it causes us to question the the stories that we've been living, right? And it asks us to 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 change. It asks us to repent, right? If anything that we ever encounter leads to repentance, then it is, it is itself true, good, beautiful, useful, and and so forth. Right. So, I mean, if, if after going to a really, really good film or listening to a really good piece of music or indeed reading a good novel of fiction, that we are actually asking deeper questions of ourselves and challenging ourselves to repent and to, to change our, our way of thinking, our, our way of being, our way of acting, then 
and that's good, right? And that's what reading spiritually has to always be about, right? That it has to be about our ongoing growth towards being the people that bear and bring God's kingdom, you know, to the world. And I mean, just to come back to the one we've been referring to over and over again in this, this podcast, I mean, Harry Potter does that, right? For those who are open to it, it really challenges the discourse of our world, right? We're entering into this fantastical world, but it actually reflects in a really, really powerful way the early 21st century in our world. And I think that's why people find it as such value, right? Because in a time when, you know, the, they're not necessarily in the pews and church on a Sunday, the institutional religion has declined. This series of novels has become one of the principal ways in which our corrupted Western democracies with their consumerist culture or their materialist bent, their, their abusive, uh, colonial, you know, systems, the, you know, the collusions with, with, with power, the systemic racisms and other forms of oppression and so forth. I mean, this world needs challenged. And we, we live in that world. We're formed by that world in ways that we don't even begin to understand. And yet when we read about the choices of the characters through the story in Harry Potter, we're left challenged to go out and expose and challenge those dominant discourses in our own society, those things that fragment and hurt people's identities and bind them to material things, right? And so, uh, and that the, the discourse that's doing that at the heart of, of Harry Potter is the gospel, right? It's it's the Christ-like self-sacrificing love and joining together to, to confront power and evil and overcome it. And I, you know, that's what reading spiritually is all about is saying we can do something as human beings we can grow towards what god wants us to be and these stories can help us to do that thanks for listening i'm father yuri gladio an orthodox christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning and i'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend father jeffrey reddy Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.